You are listening to Where is the Music podcast. My name is Alberto and on this program I will talk about music in all its forms. I discuss the creative part, the understanding of music, the role that music has in our culture, our shared life, our psyche, and I will do that with the help of my piano. You can find me on all major podcasting platforms and my work as composer, pianist and teacher at albertoferro.com. This podcast has no sponsor. If you like to support me, click the link to my Patreon page, available in the description. With a contribution as little as few dollars a month, you will significantly help me keep doing what I do. Now, on to this episode of Where is the Music? Hello everyone, welcome back to Where is the Music podcast. Today I'm going to talk about a uh, a tune, a single tune that uh, is for many of us very meaningful. This is the famous My Favorite Things. Um if you are, let's say, uh, not uh, part of the population of this planet, Uh, you might not have heard it but if you are i'm sure you know this melody this is a particular song It is originally written for a musical called uh, The Sound of Music, originally sung by uh, Julie Andrews, uh, written by Richard Rodgers and Oscar Hammerstein. Uh, it's a famous, actually, movie that later on became a musical. Uh, I don't remember the, the, the year when the movie was um, produced. I think maybe around, uh, I don't know, the... 60s, 70s, 80s, I don't remember because it is part uh, it is part of this repertoire, cultural repertoire that uh, has become somehow classical uh, for many reasons, it belongs to every generation um, and uh, what happens is that um, a tune that is specific uh, for a particular um type of art in this case a movie and then a musical what happens when a tune like this becomes uh, the opportunity for other uh, artists in different worlds um, to express something not just uh, this uh, melody chords but something that goes beyond the tune itself this is i think the place of uh, where only the greatest artists somehow are able to uh, inhabit we uh, can just appreciate and um, and learn uh, and of course expand our uh, knowledge and even uh, appreciation and consciousness about art i'm talking about john coltrane who uh, recorded a version of this um, in uh, The album came out in 61, recorded an album called My Favorite Things with uh, his uh, uh, quartet. Uh, at the piano was uh, uh, McCoy Tyner. I mention it because 
I'm gonna uh, uh, quote a couple of uh, uh, examples from his plane as well. Um, so what happens, and, and I think the reason why this is uh, so peculiar, this case is so peculiar, is that mm, if we listen to my favorite things version by John Coltrane, of course we recognize the melody, but that's about it. We find ourselves in a completely different world. Um, look, the original uh, My Favorite Things is a, a very, uh, let's say, cute song sung by uh, Julie Andrews to children. Kind of, uh, in, the, in the movie, it's like a moment in which uh, they're learning uh, about uh, appreciating <laughs> the reality around them reality around them is played is full with uh, little things to uh, appreciate to little things to notice and um, if you make a list of your favorite things uh, you will start enjoying them you will start looking at the things around you in a, in a different way maybe everything can be part of that list uh, it's like if you start by the very simple the very trivial the things that you take for granted, then you can develop a wider appreciation for the entire amount of things that are around you, starting from the things that exactly you are just taking for granted. Life, nature, people around you, the, uh, the, the your ability to, um, to taste an ice cream, these kind of things. Um, so it's a very positive, maybe slightly educational type of uh, tune and this is actually probably even underlined by the kind of um, nursery uh, rhyme type of uh, uh, melody that uh, uh, this song outlines <laughs> it's absolutely easy to memorize um, and you can put uh, any sort of lyrics on this and uh, it's perfect for for children it's like a nursery rhyme but then uh, why someone belonging to a completely different um, world belonging to the world of jazz the, the an area of expression where uh, impulsive raw uh, energy uh, needs to uh, come out through through music where live performances uh, in uh, um, let's say smoky dark uh, clubs uh, late night New York City um, uh, places obviously where children do not belong um, then you see if you if you decide to play this tune in that context then you certainly have different uh, objectives in mind um, then uh, if we just have a glimpse of uh, the type of energy, the type of uh, style that Coltrane and his band uh, give to this tune, we, we see what we're talking about.
notice, I mean, in my poor rendition of the piano of this, notice how the harmony doesn't change at all. It's just, just this pretty much for the entire thing. While before we had That's the only time in which in this passage the harmony changes but this is just to point out that the level of energy and i would say is a very aggressive statement it it could have probably um, uh, be, be done this operation on a different tune and we might later discuss on possibilities on hypotheses on why this particular one was chosen um so uh, the rhythm of it becomes um, paramount, it becomes uh, in front. Actually, the rhythm by uh, McCoy Tyner is something, some, sounds something like this. Here, the nice waltz, how it has transformed. And so the only thing in common is probably just the tempo, the metronome, but um, the energy that comes out of it is quite uh, it's quite new it seems I mean if I can make a parallel it uh, it's the same thing that I see happening between um, the, the beauty pre precision perfection accuracy of certain paintings by I don't know I have in mind uh, Hyatt's uh, late uh, 1800 uh, this is an Italian one I, at the moment I don't have others in mind but where uh, you can you can you can see the how the choice of color the curves the drawings uh, the, uh, the 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 line the outline the, the subjects uh, are everything is just about beauty uh, about grace and uh, uh, 20 years later you have uh, Van Gogh the matter of reality has changed, not just the way it looks, is, uh, is, is vi vibrating, is energy, is uh, an explosion of, uh, of color, um, things are raw, things are non-linear, non-orderly, non-beautiful, non by the typical definition of beauty, but they hint at uh, some, somewhere else. So, the, the recording of John Coltrane uh, actually you can probably find even live versions of this that last quite long that they're, they're quite intense uh, his improvisation is pretty much on one single chord on one single rhythm all the way through and this is part of uh, a dimension that uh, Coltrane was aiming at uh, in, his, in this phase of his uh, career where he was um, he was probably aiming at uh, turning the 
music performance into a trance experience uh, where he would uh, uh, kind of lose completely his himself together with the audience to reach uh, a kind of a different um, level of consciousness uh, it is uh, jazz in a way in one of its most essential uh, dimension uh, collective improvisation becomes a, a, an opportunity for experiencing a different state of uh, consciousness um, this is a quite an interesting aspect of uh, uh, music particularly music uh, uh, from uh, from us american jazz particularly has through certain artists developed this uh, this trajectory um, well if you're interested i recommend you look into that because uh, especially if you're interested in improvisation because uh, uh, there is plenty of examples of, of musicians and artists that somehow lead the way and uh, and through their own experience um, try to try to take the moment of improvisation as a moment of self-discovery uh, similar to the ones that we can achieve nowadays through meditation or other uh, or other means um, but we haven't uh, found yet a possible answer to the question why this tune was chosen by John Coltrane for for his improvisation before we go there I just wanted to improvise a bit on this to trying to imitate what I hear in the recording please don't compare my improvisation to theirs please but um, uh, I just wanted to give you a sense of the type of uh, uh, circular openness uh, completely um, unleashed approach to uh, to creativity that is uh, to be achieved
So let's uh, now go back to the initial question. Uh, why would Jockle Train choose this particular tune uh, to improvise on? Um, let's go through a couple of steps uh, before we attempt some explanation. Um, let's remember that a jazz standard is usually a tune that is taken from the current repertoire of songs that people are hearing from the movies and musical theater of, uh, of a particular time. So uh, the operation of, of a jazz artist is usually uh, one that brings uh, on the bandstand, on, on a jam session, in an open improvised setting, uh, a tune that is already somehow in the ears of the listeners. Uh, we can call it uh, uh, an inside job, an operation that is possible only within a cultural context where the listeners can recognize the tune and can be delighted by the creative ways in which uh, a jazz musician uh, trans transforms it uh, into something new and different, exciting and uh, original. Uh. So in the days in which uh, John Coltrane is active, the song My Favorite Things is one of those tunes that has become popular everywhere thanks uh, to the movie. Uh, it's probably uh, whistled around by everyone who saw the movie. More broadly, possibly, it has become almost a, an iconic uh, tune carrying somehow a, an inspiring message of authenticity uh, especially to to those social classes who could more easily identify with the people in the story so uh, the, the movie is British it takes place in the Alps in Europe the, the, uh, the music is from the American composers uh, Richard, Ham Richard Rogers and uh, Oscar Hammerstein II and the genre, the genre is uh, strongly related to American culture, the, the musical. So the audience targeted was likely uh, the American white middle class and the repertoire of tunes, including, if not especially my favorite things, uh, became quickly a vehicle for a message of joy, potential possibilities for personal achievement, love, and happiness and probably much more uh, remember if you have seen the movie we're talking about a nanny from humble origins joining an extremely wealthy family and bringing with her the joy the emotions the authenticity and wisdom that these children were possibly missing arguably because they belong to a high class which imposed uh, strict rules of behavior education children had to be well-mannered, could not express themselves as freely as they would have wished to. So there is this famous image of Julie Andrews dancing and singing joyfully and freely in the mountains, which I believe is one of the main posters images from the movie. And, uh, and uh, that image stayed long after the 60s. It is even more impactful thinking about the contrast with the uh, controlled and regimented environment she encountered in, in, in the story. The image is now become an icon for many who, I would say me included, in the following decades uh, were deeply inspired by this story. So the message of the tune, as well as part of the message of the entire movie, uh, we can argue uh, is, well, you should 
express yourself freely and authentically, regardless what class you belong to. So this is why this tune has now become so popular. It's a sort of iconic tune that inspires younger and less younger generations to get rid of the restrictions imposed by I, uh, an idealized high class. Uh, uh, it's a way to rebel to some empty cultural formalism that have become inauthentic and to celebrate genuine creativity, authentic love. So what Coltrane does here is to freely elaborate his own view on top of all these other layers of meaning. You can see where his take is going. His interpretation, and I will say their interpretation because it's four players on the same recording, each one adding as much tension and energy as Coltrane does. So they are going rather fearlessly towards uh, an unrestricted, open-ended direction, some sort of collective, solid run forward. Uh, the improvisation seems to never end. The energy seems to never run out. It is quite aggressive, it is strong, uh, it is dramatic too. There are moments of extreme force and you cannot avoid but think that we are in front of someone making more than just a personal statement. It's possibly a cultural, social, political statement too. The only reason we can, we can speculate he decides to take a nursery rhyme into dark, smoky nightclubs frequented by either dodgy people or working class people or middle class white people is exactly to make a statement of authenticity in an historic period where probably the tensions between black and white in america and in america have not reached their peak yet coltrane seems to take the opportunity of a public performance to state as loudly and artistically clearly as possible his standing against the constraints imposed by his social status I am singing this nursery rhyme too, and I am doing it my way. It's, it's loud against your preconceived, well-educated mannerism, against your empty facades, with full disregard for your meaningless etiquette and your fake politeness. This is my way. This is my favorite things. These are our favorite things. So. The impact is undeniable. All of this is possibly just my own personal speculation, uh, but we can't limit our own interpretations to the idea that music is just music. It is very possible, though, that 
uh, artists don't necessarily see their work as social political uh, message statements or perhaps they don't have aspiration to enter the collective cultural dialogue like uh, an intellectual does or a, or a politician does uh, so they don't necessarily feel the urge to uh, to enter this dialogue with means other than their, their artistic creativity which is often uh, very complicated to decode so I'm not trying to imply that his version of my favorite things um, described um, what I outlined here or means what I uh, describe but uh, I cannot avoid to feel the impact of such a strong take to wonder why out of the incredible variety of tunes that he could have used for his improvisation he decided to pick this one as a practicing musician I agree it is quite fun to improvise on this tune it is not particularly complicated harmonically and even rhythmically it's just a 3-4 but he was a visionary in the sense that no one thought you could take a tune so innocent joyful and delightful and revolt it upside down and make it become the opportunity for a transcendental journey into some very deep dark place if you have never heard it i encourage you to give it a go there are plenty of versions uh, there are at least two that i know that are live plus i think one in studio i will put some links for you uh, to listen you will be witnessing the freedom in action of people who probably have felt throughout their life uh, restrictions imposed by society imposed by their culture mm. there is a very liberating sense that emerges that transpires from such way of doing improvisation that is positive is creative is inspiring is extremely rich and is aiming at inspire the same desire for authenticity i'm pointing this out to those of you who are perhaps less familiar with jazz recordings from the area um, in the in particularly in that period of jazz there is a certain rawness in the in the playing but also in the recording quality itself uh, there is a chance that if you're less used to this type of music it's going to be a bit challenging at the very beginning to not be put off uh, by the aggressiveness the forcefulness and possibly by the darkness of this style but I encourage you to suspend your judgment for the around 10 minutes of music so uh, here is the end of this uh, uh, little journey through John Coltrane's music and style um, and mostly my speculation around it uh, I hope you find this uh, you found this in interesting um, would love to hear your thoughts uh, it might be possible in the future I do uh, more episodes uh, that uh, connect uh, music or some pieces with um, perhaps uh, social political issues that are obviously very very uh, interesting and huge um, topic um, so for now I thank you all for your time and attention um, and uh, I'll, I'll meet you again here uh, on uh, the next episode of uh, where is the music podcast
Thanks for listening to Where is the Music podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, look up for others. I made a few. I publish an episode every week roughly, investigating each time a different aspect of music. The music making, the music listening, the meaning of music and its relevance in our lives. It is very helpful for me if you like, subscribe, follow on your favorite platform. Where is the Music is on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TuneIn and Google Podcasts. If you like to support me, you are free to do so through Patreon. Link in description. Thank you again. Until next time.